0: Hello, hello. Hey, Jason. Hello, this is Jenny.
1: Hi, this is Sophia. Hello.
2: Hello. Hello.
3: Hello. Hello. Come on. Hey, Betty.
2: How are you? This is
4: Jason Bird from the Thought Factory podcast. I just call in.
5: You don't. You don't need it. That. I, I just
4: wanted to officially that. let you know that okay, uh, you're still, we're scheduled still for one o'clock. Yep,
5: still talking, so I was, you know, you don't need to do that.
6: The Thought
7: Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org.
8: All right. We are here on the Thought Factory podcast. We're so glad that you're here with us. Jason, we've got a pretty exciting episode with hearing from a lot of different people. This episode, the next few coming down the pike here.
4: We are talking to youth pastors, pastors, and students from around the country. We have talked to people from California, New York, Colorado, Tennessee, Michigan, in regards to the effects of the coronavirus and how it has impacted their ministry, their lives, and some of the thoughts that they have in regards to culture, faith. So those episodes will be coming out uh, next week and the following weeks, as as well as this episode that we're talking about
8: today. And so we're excited to, to do that because we're hearing straight from people. And as we're recording this, we're continuing to go through what I've been calling lately the gauntlet here, this whole COVID situation where everything's changed. Our lives have been disrupted. Schools, work environments, the school campus, youth ministry, lots of different things. Everything's changed, and we're hearing from people real-time as it's happening, their response.
4: It just seems like there's a lot of chaos going on, and we have a shared experience with this coronavirus, and yet we wanted to just kind of peek into all those different areas to just see what We have in common what we may be experiencing that is different than somebody else and just kind of go, hey, we're chronicling this whole thing going on that we're all experiencing together.
8: We'll be doing that in a few moments. If you didn't get a chance yet, I would encourage you to go back. Our last episode was released on our fourth anniversary. So October 20th 20th of 2016
4: was our very first episode of the Thought Factory podcast so we decided to release that episode and just kind of celebrate that there's been four years of us kind of bringing some our thoughts to you in regards to youth ministry culture students the next generation of the church all sorts of topics that you can find in this podcast.
8: Now the one thing I guarantee you're going to be interested in is our next episode, and that is some of these people we're talking with, their thoughts, and I'm most interested in the students' response to this presidential election and season that we're in. We're going to release this on the day of the national election, so make sure that you're tracking with us. This would be one, if you're listening to this somewhat in real time, get this one right away when it's released on tuesday is it november 3rd i believe everyone's i've got 20 mailings at my house that says november 3rd i should remember that november 3rd don't forget to vote right
4: exactly don't forget to vote and if you're standing in line to vote you can listen to our podcast and just see what the students are thinking about because the ones that i've talked to in regards to politics they are not of the age to vote but we asked the question what would you look for in a candidate and some of the things that they are hearing about the candidates, what their parents are saying about the candidates, what the political climate is like to them as a student. And we talk to middle school students. We talk to high school
8: students. So that's coming up. Now, we've got a resource for you that uh, is free, that gives some of the latest research on students around the country and adult volunteers as well. I want to give you this website here, go to it, download this trend report. The website is neverthesame.org slash trend report, T-R-E-N-D, trend report. Go to that website, neverthesame.org slash trend report. You can download the latest um, information that we have from our research on students on all kinds of topics ranging from social media to their spiritual life to their life on campus to relationships with their family. Just hearing from students themselves, and again, as always, when we do this every year, revealing data about what students are thinking. So again, neverthesame.org slash trend report.
4: Another thing that we wanted to point out to you and bring to your attention is something that we do every year, and it's called Generations. It is something that if you are interested in what Never the Same does and where we're at as an organization, if you just want to take a peek into the life of us, as uh, a youth ministry organization, we are holding an event, a live-streamed event, on November 12th at 7.15 Eastern Time Zone. If you want to check that out, you can go to neverthesame.org generations.
8: So that's an event that we do where we're going to give an update on what has been happening in our ministry 2020. We've had to cancel every single event, live event that we've done. This will actually, Jason, be the only event that we'll be doing as an organization, which is kind of interesting to think about. It is interesting so because
4: we're coming to the end of 2020, which is also weird to think about yeah, as well.
8: Yeah, <laughs> Let's get this thing over with. <laughs> um, so that's that's coming up. There will be a live audience, but we hope that you can join us for our event generations November 12th. 7.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, neverthesame.org generations. I imagine if you just go to neverthesame.org, it's probably going to be visible on the homepage as well. But that event will be happening uh, coming up soon.
4: And I haven't mentioned this to you, Jeff, but there are some people listening from Uganda. We got a big spike in people in Uganda listening to All this. Right. And so I don't know the time difference for you if you are listening to this but we would love for anybody to just join us that evening and and support what we are doing.
8: Yeah, so 30 minutes, 7.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 7.45 p.m. It will be uh, held in front of a live audience, but we'll be live streaming as well. And it will be uh, an exciting update for us as we're talking to our network and audience about next steps that we are taking as a ministry and organization. So, November 12th, all right, enough with that. We're going to jump into this episode and hear from some adults and hear from some students about where we're at in this COVID situation and hear their thoughts directly.
4: Maybe to give a little bit more insight into what you will listen to is the effects that the coronavirus had on youth ministry and youth pastors and students and knowing that we have gone through months of change and upheaval and just the chaos that we're experiencing as a country, as a youth ministry, and wanted to just really chronicle what we're all experiencing. So what you may be listening to may not be exactly what you've experienced, but it may be something similar, or you may find that that was the same exact thing that you went through, Uh, because it's a collective experience for all of us. Clint is from the Bay Area of California and had just celebrated their two-year anniversary of launching a brand new church. There is always uncertainty with any new venture, regardless of circumstances. But COVID-19 magnified that uncertainty for many people in their normal life. Clint was experiencing a lot of excitement and momentum in their church plant before the coronavirus hit with such velocity.
5: Things were rolling. Like I felt like, man, this is growth was happening. I felt like people were getting connected, and things were like, okay, uh, there's 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 light at the end of the tunnel. And then I still remember in um, a rehearsal, like where we do these, you know, before everything starts on Sunday morning making a joke. And this was like at the end of February, I was like, is COVID still a thing? Like, has anybody heard about that? And then within three weeks, everything is shut down. And at first I thought it's going to be two weeks. It's going to be a month, maybe a month and a half. And I thought, you know, this is actually a really good break. I don't mind this. I don't mind having my weekends back. And then a month led to three months and three months to wherever we are now.
4: In the beginning, no one knew how widespread the coronavirus would become and the impact it would ultimately make. It hit our ministries, our homes, our schools, all aspects of our lives. But there is no question that California was hit hard well beyond just the pandemic.
5: You know, it is really locked down still um, here in California, or at least in the Bay Area in our county of Contra Costa. Um, They're just now debating whether or not restaurants can be open To the inside, as churches, we could still not gather. Um, It's around two months ago, I I really started feeling the effects of COVID. um, And everything uh, attached to that uh, here in the Bay Area, which uh, obviously COVID affected the entire world. Uh, Racial unrest uh, affected the entire world, the United States mostly. But here being right outside of Oakland, I mean, I felt like we were kind of in the epicenter of all of that and then um, the fires that have ravished uh, the coastal, the Bay Area, all of that. Um, it was just like one thing after another.
4: Now on the other side of the country from California lives Adam, who is from Buffalo, New York, and was also seeing growth at their church at the time COVID-19 was sweeping through the country.
9: We had just opened the, our brand new building uh, and you know, rolled out two services, uh, two weekends of services, and then everything shut down.
4: For anyone who is not familiar with the map of New York, Buffalo is a large city located upstate, far from New York City, which was the epicenter of the outbreak. But no distance between two points stopped the coronavirus, nor stopped the thought in people's minds of what was going to happen next.
9: Other than New York City, we were kind of one of like we we've had I think over 800 COVID deaths in our um, our county. So it, it, it's been a, a more largely affected area than some. You know, there's definitely some places that only have minimum effects, but we, we definitely had a lot more of that and had a bit of a spike for a time. I uh, kind of immediately experienced that, um, that feeling on the front end of like what is going to happen next as we kind of were watching the news and watching NBA games get canceled, the NCAA tournament, all these things uh, that I, I typically would be very excited about and looking forward to and all of that.
4: The spikes in deaths and the unknown of the disease was causing lockdowns all over the place, which forced an incredible amount of people to work from home, even those who are in ministry.
9: And then uh, there was a period of time up until probably about June that I d- I worked from home, so we weren't even in the in the church building uh, for about two two three months, uh, and then kind of learned you know my life personally. My wife was working from home as well, and I'm working from home. And my daughter is doing pre-K online um, and, and experiencing all of those things. And so, yeah, it drastically brought our family much closer together <laughs> in some ways and um, made us learn uh, a lot about our communication and how we did things and um, scheduling things out in the midst of a lot of unknown. Even personally, our our, our finances were affected at church a bit. Um, we actually all took pay cuts in the front end of it. And so we were we were kind of getting ready for those experiences and just trying to, trying to be wise with our money, but God has been God has been really gracious in terms of his provision for our church. But yeah, we felt it in the financial and the personal end and the, the emotional end, all of it, you know, especially as a person who loves to be around people, it's very difficult to be in a scenario where we can't uh, uh, be in those normal uh, situations anymore. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been quite a year.
4: Working with people has its own level of difficulty and challenges, but the lockdowns magnified those challenges and how churches and student ministries have typically operated. That statement is true for Ian, who is from Greeley, Colorado, which is 50 miles north of Denver. Ian realized innovation and creativity was not going to be sustainable in meeting the needs of students and connecting directly with them.
3: I would say in the ministry area where it's affecting me the most is actually just stopping and really rethinking everything we're doing and how we do it and why we're doing it. Um, At first, it was like this super exciting, like in ministry, like, we're gonna figure this thing out. Like the first two to three weeks, it was like so fun. Like we're gonna to go to Zoom, we're gonna do all these crazy things. And we're like, oh, we're just gonna adapt and adjust. Then um, we realized that, uh, that it wasn't gonna go away anytime soon. And it kind of moved me from trying to be, I guess maybe innovative and creative to just trying to really find a way how to minister to students um, on a daily basis in a unique way.
4: Connecting with students during the pandemic became a top priority for youth pastors. And for Angela, She realized this after taking one week off of their normal scheduled plans. She quickly started to think and develop a new long-term vision for her ministry in Grand Rapids, Michigan.
6: When COVID-19 first hit us, really we didn't know as a ministry um, the long-term effects that that was going to have on us. And so I think at first it was so much like, well, we'll just take the week off of youth group and then we'll try and kind of figure things out. And then after the first week, we really realized, oh my goodness, this is really gonna affect us long term and we need to have a plan in terms of how we're going to immediately serve our students, how are we going to stay connected with them and how do we continue to even build a community um, in a season where it was so hard to even stay connected.
4: Many pastors are seeking to find that sense of community again. No longer could a church or ministry rely on what was comfortable or traditional to maintain it, let alone build it. New skills needed to be formed and youth pastors across the country were being stretched beyond what they knew.
6: In a good way, I actually think that it forced us to get out of our box and out of what we were comfortable with, uh, all the ways that we would traditionally try and connect with people. And it just really forced us to go to that next level um, with our students. Uh, There is no room for surface level anymore. It was like, wow, we're all being affected by this. Um, For me, it was really good having to stretch myself and uh, to eliminate my uncomfortability because that didn't matter anymore.
0: As far as how has COVID affected my life, You know, my kids, I've got a couple of kids that are in college. I've got one that's in high school. And So right off the bat, um, it caused our house to be uh, a little more energized, I guess, in a way. So we had more people within our home. Um, And it just caused us to have to figure out, you know, how are we going to manage our family, not knowing how long this is going to be.
4: That was Jamie, who is at a church in Lawrence, Kansas, which is tucked between Kansas City and Topeka and is the sixth largest city in Kansas. Students in Jamie's ministry were not the only concern for him as members of his own family began to fill some of the empty places in his home again.
0: So it changed just the dynamics of what we would do to kind of like re-energize ourselves as a family into to cramming us into a home and then, you know, trying to figure out, well, how do we manage this, not knowing how long-term this was going to be.
4: Well, Jamie had grown children coming back home and him trying to manage that, Richie from Kingsport, Tennessee, had become a new dad only a few months prior to the beginning of the pandemic, which created new challenges to navigate, which birthed some amazing time with his family.
7: I think first where my mind goes to is just my family. Um, my wife works full time, and so the entire course of this she's been home with our uh, 10-month-old, and I've been home the majority of that as well. We just recently kind of went back in the office the last month or so. So uh, deeply impacted our new family. Family, right Um, we didn't even really have much of a rhythm he was like three months old when all this happened so to see that um, just the time we got together it was amazing honestly
4: but students may not express the same sentiment when it comes to spending time with their family and like so many pastors and youth pastors having to navigate this new way of doing ministry Richie also knew the immediate changes were not sustainable
7: as good as the family time was i think for a lot of our students it also uh what teenager wants to spend 24 7 with their family right so and then they didn't have an outlet for stuff and so it was a little difficult here and there as far as that went but then you think about ministry side of stuff um that was a little bit a little bit more different i think uh, at the beginning it was all right, let's pivot, let's rock and roll. Uh, I think pretty early on, just the leadership at our church was like, hey, this is gonna be longer than you think, so let's let's figure some out here. And so we we made some quick changes, realized those weren't really sustainable. Um, while they were, I think, change is always exciting at the beginning, it actually uh, got pretty burnt out uh, in the summer. And so we really wrestled through some stuff this summer, um, and it was just hard, right? It was super difficult, because You didn't want to be the church making the news of, hey, these kids were gathering together and COVID spread, but there was also just like a real reality that like people felt super alone um, and needed time away.
5: It's affected me dramatically. It's affected me more than I thought.
4: We have heard how COVID-19 had an effect on our lives and ministries, but it also affected people emotionally. Regardless of whether someone's personality was more of an introvert or an extrovert, initially staying home was a good change in pace. But as the months rolled on and quarantine lasted longer, staying at home wore out its welcome and it created a deep longing to be with people again. As was the case for many people, including Clint in California and Adam in New York.
5: You know, like I said, the first month, first two months was like, oh, man, like weekends are back. This is kind of great. Little did I know that uh, as an extrovert, I do everything that I can um, to figure out how do I create experiences with people, Um, whether it's me meeting with two or three people, um, because I, I do believe people are made for groups of people, right? Whether the size of the group is 20 or, or, 200. It's like, I love groups. I love large groups. It's where I energize, uh, people like my wife, who's more introverted, she's even missing it, but, you know, she doesn't feel the effects that I feel, you know, um, when it comes to not meeting in, you know, with larger groups of people.
9: Yeah, I think just the loneliness sets in for sure. My, It's kind of funny. My wife's an introvert, so this was like her heyday. You know, like, this is great. You know, we're hanging out, and it's just our family and lots of different things. But for me, who's just so desperate to be connected to people, it's definitely um, had its toll. But I think it also just reminded, you know, I guess what I've kind of been learning in the midst of my even my emotional feelings with it, it's just like how much more I've needed and depended on the Lord in, in, in the middle of all of this, and, and having these... Um, you know, having these bouts of feelings, like what I, a lot of this kind of step back is that I'm finding my identity, uh, in, in those things that I do, especially in ministry. Like, what does your ministry look like when you don't, don't see people in person? <laughs> like, how does that actually exist? How does that actually go forward? And, um, and so it's been really difficult for me, I think emotionally, and then even questioning my own call. I'm like, what, if I'm called to work with people and we can't see people, what is my, who am I?
4: We cannot even begin to list all the questions that may have swirled in our minds. Questions of identity and purpose. Questions of what will happen in the future. Questions surrounding the unknown or what is actually safe and what is the right thing to do. Ultimately, the questions were being asked of how this affected students and the church.
3: Some of the things that maybe hit me emotionally was, uh, again, like I said, the first couple of weeks there was this excitement of how things are going to be. And I think it was about week three to four that it kind of just like hit me um, being a pretty high extrovert. It hit me one, not being around people. Um, It found uh, the Zoom calls didn't seem as fun and exciting. It kind of started becoming a drain to me. Um, I felt like I was missing out on something and I kind of just felt, uh, I kind of went from being fun and exciting to really uh, my life, I, I kind of felt drained and kind of just felt out of place, like questioning things more so than I would have ever questioned, um, which then re- helped me to just rely more kind of on the Lord and trying to really change some things up too in this season.
0: I'm definitely a people person, um, more so than than several in my immediate family. Uh, my wife and I are very different in regards to that, so I'm the person who loves to just be around a lot of people. And so, yeah, it, it definitely affected me in wanting to know you know, like, what is this going to do to, you know, to our students uh, that, that we minister to? Um, are they going to continue to remain connected to the church uh, throughout this? It caused us to change how we're doing ministry.
4: Regardless of the unanswered questions and the uncertainty, the focus of these pastors were always on the students or the people they lead and the emotional toll it was having on them.
5: You, you start to feel, you know, suicide is on the rise here. Um... And, and probably nationwide, but you know, I'm more in tune with what's happening here. Uh, depression, mental and emotional uh, wellness is, 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 is a thing. And so we're constantly talking to people that are just uh, in deep sadness and hurt.
4: Recognizing that depression, anxiety and suicide is on the rise because the coronavirus was wreaking havoc to our normalcy of living. One of the students who was affected deeply by COVID-19 was Bella, an 11th grader in Michigan.
1: COVID-19 has made my life just a little bit more stressful than ever. And then keeping busy with trying to follow the regulations and rules and stuff. So. Um, quarantine was really hard, especially like because I've already had past depression. It was just hard not seeing friends and like family and stuff like that. It just kind of made depression a little bit different and a little bit harder than ever. So.
4: This was her response when asked if she was afraid of getting COVID-19.
1: I actually am very terrified of getting COVID-19. I have really bad asthma, and I'm terrified of dying, so to say.
4: For Morgan, who is also a junior in high school and resides in upstate New York, the effects of the coronavirus hit her hard.
1: At first, it was really, it wasn't good at first, I definitely, Emotionally struggled. But then, as it became a little bit of a new norm, it got better, definitely, and like praying about it and getting through it. And even like trying to just be there for other people helped me personally, just talking through with other people or even having other people talk through it with me.
4: Morgan realized how important friends were in this unusual situation. So when asked about her friends and how they have responded, their response was similar to hers.
1: I think it's been a similar situation. We all did try to like keep in touch with FaceTime or text, just do whatever we can do. I think it did stress a lot of us out and hit us hard. And there was, I heard from even our school, there was just, there was, a couple of suicides, and I did know that people with depression did get hit really hard because that's a big change, and when you're isolated for so long, it's
4: hard. Some tried to see the positive despite being away from people, others relied on their faith in God. For Mason, a sophomore, and Kaylee, a senior, who both go to the same high school in Tennessee, it was a combination of these things.
2: Um, I mean, mainly it was just um, it was just hard to be apart. I'm a very extroverted person, so it was just hard to be away from people because I just normally, when I'm around people, is when I'm having the most fun and most energetic. So it was just hard to be apart from people, and that was hard at first. But I started to get used to it, um, but then when we went back, it reminded me of how hard it was. So it was mainly just boring, and it made me a little sad again to just be apart from people. Uh, So I've really just had to figure out how to be able to be at home without other people um, around me constantly. So it's just, I've had to reevaluate some ways to keep myself entertained and happy while I'm just at home.
1: Um, I would say it was very hard to be in quarantine. The isolation really takes a toll on you and you kind of realize how important a uh, community is i think that something that quarantine taught me that it was really important to have those people to talk to um and it also taught me how to um, just seek god more in the secret place and it just made it that much more special to encounter him when there weren't a lot of people that i could talk to
4: when our community is taken away from us, we begin to realize how vital and life-giving it is to be in community with others.
5: If if one thing positive has come out of this, especially for me, um, and it's going to sound so funny, like Clint, you didn't know that before, um, the importance of community and the importance of relationship and the gathering of people, and believers, non-believers, doesn't matter. Community is so important, and you know, I heard somebody say this the other day. We should have named it. Um, you know not social distancing but physical distancing because of the the effects of social distancing will have on people's mental and emotional well-being
4: regardless of the situation we find ourselves in the difficulties that we went through the things we've lost and will never regain there is still hope for tomorrow even in the difficult times God did not leave us or has forgotten about us he cares about every situation Romans 12, 12 reminds us to be joyful in the hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That message of hope and reminder of what God is doing is how we are going to end today, because there is so much that God still has in store for his people who call upon his name.
3: We're gonna make it through. Like if this ends up being another year, year and a half, whatever it is, like um, I, I tend to be able to see, not to light the end of the tunnel, but I see a bigger hope and a bigger reason for why we're living our lives.
9: We don't want to miss what God is doing right now in the middle of this. And and we don't want to miss those things just because we want things to go back to normal. Um, there are things that the Lord is teaching us right now that we need to learn and that we need to see and we need to experience um, so that we can better be a, a gospel witness to the generation in front of us.
6: The
7: Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.